I want to talk to you about an amazing Greek word that is translated to saved. I want to talk to you about Jesus came to save sinners. He came to seek and save that which is lost. And uh, the book of Ephesians chapter 2 defines this for us in a real succinct way. And it says in verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Wow. It's a gift. Jesus came to give it. It must be received. And how many of you recognize that's a wonderful gift? The gift is salvation. And, uh, but I want to look at this because the facets of it and the breadth of it, like a beautifully cut diamond, today I got a text from a proud father, David Goldstein, telling me that his son Nick proposed to his sweetheart, and she had the, you know, the, the beautiful engagement ring, you know, and it was just glowing, her face was glowing more, she was, there was such a sweetness to it. But I thought about in modern culture, the diamond is, uh, I guess it's a girl's best friend. And in modern, they, they have a, something called a brilliant cut. You know, they have all these different ways of cutting diamonds over history. And now they do this to emphasize the color on the prismatic effect of the light hitting it. And I want to tell you that this word for save, sozo, sozo, is like a beautifully cut diamond with each facet of Jesus' saving power reveals God's infinite love to each one of us. And so I want to uh, hunker down on Hebrews, the seventh chapter, and we're going to get ready to spend most of our time in Luke chapter 8, and I'm going to show you some different facets of salvation and God's expansively thorough provision of salvation. And I want to show you the verse that I have for you that really articulates just how thorough and amazing Jesus is. So we're going to start with verse 25. It says here, therefore. Now, when you see the word therefore, you need to go into context and see what the therefore is therefore. But if you just bear with me for a minute, I want to zero in on the verse, then I'll tell you the context. Therefore, he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for us. Now, there are other translations. He's able to save us to the uttermost. How about that? We don't use uttermost very often in conversation, but I'm glad he's able to save me to the uttermost. Even if I didn't know what uttermost was, it sounds pretty good. And really what the context is, is it's talking about the beautiful Levitical priesthood. And even though it was fantastic and effective, it was based on, its basis was on human beings that lived and then died. So they couldn't sustain their work because they would die. But guess what? Jesus conquered death. And so this new covenant inaugurated on better promises means this chief priest who has come, this great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, ever lives to make intercession for us. And he is therefore capable because he overcame death to continually supply to where here we are 2,000 years later, just as vibrant as the very beginning early follow Jesus followers were. Jesus' power is undiminished. 
His saving power is sustainable because he went out into death, experienced it, and then he came back from it. He's the resurrection and the life. And Jesus, hallelujah, uh, is able to save the uttermost completely, one translation says. Thoroughly, another translation says. And the word is sozo. Everybody say sozo. It's a fantastic uh, message. And in the W.E. Vines, first of all, I'll tell you what it says in the Strong's Concordance. The Strong's Concordance says that it is, sozo is to make safe, to deliver, to protect, to heal, to preserve, to make whole, and to do well. That's pretty good, isn't it? Now, the W.E. Vines translates it in a number of different aspects. Sozo, salvation, to, to save, means uh, of material and temporal deliverance from danger and suffering. So he's able to save us when we're in a, in a practical situation where we're desperate and we need help. And, uh, I, I, you know, I, how many of you have experienced that? That's, that's an aspect of God's salvation. That's one of the facets. Another one is of spiritual and eternal salvation, granted immediately by God to those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Last week, we talked about the three crosses, and we talked about Jesus and the two thieves. And they were guilty of a, of a crime so significant that they got capital punishment for it. And one guy was mocking Jesus, and the other guy said, don't you even fear God? And by the way, we're guilty, and we deserve this, but he didn't do anything. He, didn't, he doesn't deserve this. And then he turned to him, and he said, hey, when you come into your kingdom, will you remember me? And he said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. There was mercy. And it shows the contrast. Uh, and I even hope that other guy got saved, that he repented before he died, you know, because you just want to see people get saved. You don't want to see people be that indifferent and that dismissive. But the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. And Jeremiah said, save us and we'll be saved. Heal us and we'll be healed. And so whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. For eternity, for, for that victory. Number three is in the vines, it says, of the present experiences of God's power to deliver from the bondage of sin. You can read Romans Chapter 5, 6, 7, 8, and it tells us that he that's dead is freed from sin. He broke the chains of the dominance of sin. We as Christians always have the option, and because we're in the flesh, we've got to overcome our flesh. But we used to be slaves to sin, but now in Christ, we're slaves to righteousness. We're ruined to sin now. We, we, there are occasions where we all fail. And then if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, and it's Jesus Christ the righteous. Praise God for that. We have a high priest who can sympathize with our weakness because he's tempted in all points as we, yet without sin. Boy, that is a, man, I'm, I'm excited about this message of salvation because it's holistic. God has diversified its application on all levels necessary for our human existence. And actually, he's thrust us forth in our human agency to be carriers of this message. That's why I'm preaching it. So you can become familiar with it and be solid in it. This is why Paul told Timothy about the word and how you know, it makes you wise unto salvation. We should be a very proficient people concerning 
who we are in Christ, what Jesus has done for us, why he came, what he's, why he's different than all the other uh, religious leaders, how he's, he's fully God and fully man, and he's the resurrection and the life, and when you believe in him, even if you die, you live. Here's another one. Of, of the future deliverance of believers at the second coming of Christ for his saints. That's pretty good, being the deliverance from the wrath of God. Do you know it says in 1 Thessalonians that we're not destined for wrath? Who is grateful for that? We're saved from the wrath to come. We deserved wrath, but it was poured out and Jesus took it and it, he suffered for it. And that's why I'm a Christian, because somebody came and died on my place where I had total uh, incapability of being able to overcome it. And my boast is not in my performance. My boast is not in uh, my deeds that I do in righteousness, but it's according to his mercy. That's my boast. My boast is Jesus saved me. God loved me. Uh, I love him because he first loved me. Right? Then you don't get haughty and you don't get holier than thou and don't get high-minded about things. But you also, on the other hand, get very confident and very persuaded. The devil antagonizes in areas of uncertainty. That's why it's important for us to spend time on these things, letting them reiterate and get into our system, filter down into our practical application. We're saved from the wrath to come. We're saved. I mean, listen, it's practical. He'll save us while we're driving our cars, flying in airplanes, swimming, walking, hiking, snowboarding, whatever, whatever we do while we're doing it, the angels of the Lord encamp around us. They hearken unto the voice of his word. They're ministering spirits set to those who are heirs of salvation. Hallelujah. Heirs of salvation. Sozo. It's amazing. W.E. Vines goes on and he says, we're delivered from the wrath of God to be executed upon the ungodly at the close of the age and from eternal doom and deliver. Also, he's going to deliver Israel. It's my conviction that he's going to deliver Israel at the second coming. And then also, additionally, it includes all the blessings bestowed by God on men in Christ. It includes all the blessings, part of our salvation. It's not just an altar call and a repentance, and now I'm in the Lamb's Book of Life, and I'm just going to just, uh, it's a fullness. It's a, it's a multifaceted, wonderful experience. When you really take hold of the blessing of God, it's, all of his blessings, these blessings will come upon you, the Bible says, and overtake you. I want to see a believer overtaken with blessing. I want to see the Psalm 23 dynamic that David bragged about in the Lord, that my, my cup runneth over. I don't want to see depletion. I don't want to see disease. I don't want to see the dominion and dominance of evil spirits or oppression. I want to see the breakthrough power of God hit people. Hallelujah. So there are more things, but I, I want to go right into uh, Luke chapter 8, and I want to show you some facets of this that I think you're going to be blessed by. Luke chapter 8, and there, if you're a note taker, there are four points I'm going to make to you. It's salvation, the sozo that makes us safe, delivers, protects, heals, preserves, makes us whole, helps us to do well. You could write these down and space them out, and then I'll come back to them with the references out of the book of Luke, chapter 8. One is we're saved into right relationship with God. We're saved into right relationship with God. Number two, we're saved 
to have a right mind and to be free from oppression. We're saved to have a right mind and be free from oppression. Number three, we're saved to experience physical healing and health. We're saved to experience physical healing and health. And number four, we look forward to a resurrection. We look forward to a resurrection. So these are the facets on this diamond in Luke chapter 8. And I want to just go through some aspects of this. In chapter 8, there's a reference in verse 12 about being saved. And in the context, it's talking about the sower and the word. And what you, whether you let it get in your heart or whether you have a hardened heart and you throw it, blow it off. There's something that we have a responsibility with in God sending this to us. You hear that? Like the two guys on the cross. What a profound contrast, don't you think? It's haunting that this guy would mock Jesus to the end. And I'll tell you, I've been at hospital visits where I've been able to lead a couple of guys to the Lord in a deathbed uh, repentance. Remember that, Taylor, with Grandpa Todd and, uh, and Mr. Messler? Those were notable. I, I weep over that. It was such a phenomenon of God's mercy at the last breath. But I also, I, I, I talked to a friend today. He visited somebody that, you know, blew it off at the very end. He's emaciated. He was dying. I, went, I visited a guy, and he yelled at me and told me to get out of the room. I said, can I pray for you? No, get out of here. He was holding out to the end to reject Jesus. I thought, man, that is scary to me. That is scary. How can we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? It's haunting. But on the other hand, the seed is incorruptible. It possesses life. There's life in the seed. God will help us to respond to this and give us a grace. I believe God's helping some people in here tonight to get out of fear, doubt, and unbelief and swing over into just simply trusting God and that essential requisite, you know, that, like he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. We're going to see that. I'm getting ahead of myself, but let me, let me just show you this. A large crowd, verse 4, was coming together and uh, those from various cities were journeying to him, and he spoke by way of a parable. And he said, the sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. You know, for many years of my, my ministry, in fact, even now, I come against the fowls of the air that try to steal the seed, the distraction, the lack of understanding. I come against that in the name of Jesus. Other seed fell on rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. So I'm praying for the hydration of the living water coming in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. Other seed fell into the good soil and grew up, and it produced a crop a hundred times as great. And he said these things, after he said these things, uh, he would call out, he who has ears to hear... Let them hear. So just listen to this just for a minute. His disciples began questioning him as to what this parable meant. And he said, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved or sozoed. The devil doesn't want this 
to be implemented in anyone's life. He is evil, and we split from him, and he hates it, and he hates the idea that he's alienated from God because of his rebellion, and now God has hopscotched over him and defeated the works of the devil with a divine strategy of redemption to rescue and retrieve the precious fruit of the earth, humanity, that God has made in his image and for his purposes, and that would be you and me. And so there's this sozo, this, this, this deliverance, this to make safe, to protect, to heal, to preserve. And so there's a de definition. Uh, he brings us into right relationship with God. We who were once not a people are now the people of God. We've received the spirit of adoption. We no longer are slaves to fear. God's not given us a spirit of fear. He's accepted us in the beloved. Who can say amen to that? Amen. Number two, we'll skip down to verse 26, and we'll read about the man who was demon-possessed and how he got delivered and, and he was in his right mind. I love this verse. In one, uh, another place, another gospel, he was clothed, seated, and in his right mind. Don't you appreciate that? Then they, so, they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. We were there last year. We saw this from the Galilee. We looked over and saw this. And when he came out onto the land, he was met by a man from the city, look at this, who was possessed with demons and who, who had not put on any clothing for a long time and was uh, not living in a house but in the tombs. So he lived at the graveyard naked. Seeing Jesus, he cried out and fell before him and said in a loud voice, what business do we have with each other? Jesus, son of the most high God, I beg you, do not torment me. One question in another gospel is, have you come to torment me before the time? So the devil knows his impending doom and his evil cohorts, they come to steal, kill, and destroy. They're on a mission to steal the word and try to deflect sozo from happening and alighting upon any man, woman, or child. This is a moment here, this is an event, where Jesus comes in on the scene, the demons are alerted to it, and um, we'll continue to read here, for he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had seized him many times, and he was bound with chains and shackles and kept under guard, and yet he would break his bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. And uh, Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he said, legion, for many demons had entered him. They were imploring him not to command them to go away into the abyss. Uh, now there was a herd of many swine feeding there on the mountain, and the demons implored him to permit them to enter the swine. And he gave them permission. And the demons came out of the man and entered the swine. And then immediately the swine said, let's forget about this. And they jumped into the water and they drowned. Get those demons off of them. Now, when the herdsmen saw what had happened, they ran away and reported it in the city and out in the country. The people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone out. Look at this. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they became frightened. And those who had seen it reported to them how the man who was demon-possessed had been made well. Everybody say sozo. The man had been saved. 
Now there's salvation into right relationship with God, and now this guy experiences sozo, a deliverance from demonic oppression, where he was now, he was, he was running around naked, chained, cutting himself. One other place he was crying and cutting himself with stones, one of the original cutters. Lost, nobody could help him, overwhelming to everyone. And in a moment, the presence and power of the Lord Jesus caused him to be made well. Hallelujah. Sozo means to be made well, to be made safe, to be delivered, and to be healed. And that, that leads me to the next one. So there's a sozo from freedom from oppression. So everybody say right relationship. Say right mind. And you know what Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Sound mind. Everybody say sound mind. See, uh, we've got about a three and a half pound brain, and uh, it needs all the help it can get. And uh, our thought processes, I mean, it's such a tremendous gift to have cognitive skills and ability to perceive and the devil hates everything good in, in uh, the existence. And he comes to attack and ravage anything he can. That's why we need to understand the multifaceted nature of salvation. It's not just strictly when you die, you go to heaven. It, that's the best part of it. But in the matter of fact is in the daily life of each one of us, he wants to deliver us. He wants to pour out and enforce these benefits. He wants us to understand this. So that in our human agency, we go out as ambassadors for Christ, as carriers of the presence of God, and we pray with an adamant determination. Hey, this is unacceptable. Sickness, get off of this person. Cause them to live another day, Lord. Deliver them from this demonic oppression. Deliver this person from this evil. There's power in the name of Jesus over demons. He had the legion to deal with there. That's a whole bunch of them. Mary Magdalene had seven demons. She was from Gadara. And she got set free, and she must have been so happy after that. Right? Let's go to um, the miracle of healing in verse 40. It says, And as Jesus returned, the people welcomed him, for they had all been waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, and he was an official of the synagogue, and he fell at Jesus' feet and began to implore him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter about 12 years old, and she was dying. But as he went, the crowds were pressing against him. In Mark's gospel, he, he says, I'm going with you, and he goes with him. But then along comes this lady that's on the side here who has had a hemorrhage for 12 years, a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone. Uh, Mark's gospel says she suffered at the hands of many physicians. She spent all she had but grew worse. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. She was saying in Mark chapter 5, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And Jesus said, who is the one who touched me? And while they were all denying it, and in Mark's gospel, the disciples said, Jesus, everybody's touching you, bumping into you. But it was a difference between a casual bump and somebody reaching out in faith. And Peter said, Master, the people are crowding you and pressing in on you. And Jesus said, Someone did touch me, for I was aware that power had gone out of me. When the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and fell down before him and declared 
in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And here's how Jesus said, what he said to her. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Sozo, go in peace. Your faith tapped into my healing power and I could even, he felt the power go out of him. But he's omnipresent, omniscient, all-powerful, omnipotent. So he didn't leak it all out and then he didn't have any more for Jairus' daughter because now he goes and finally at the last part of this message, verse 49, he says, um, while he was still speaking Someone came from the house of the synagogue official and said, your daughter has died. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But when Jesus heard this, he answered, do not be afraid any longer, only believe, and she will be made well. And when he came to the house, he did not allow anyone to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the girl's father and mother. Now they were all weeping and lamenting for her, but he said, stop weeping. For she has not died, but is asleep. And they began laughing at him, knowing that she had died. He, however, took her by the hand, called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up immediately, and he gave orders for something to be given her to eat. Her parents were amazed, but he instructed them to tell no one what had happened. So, there's the word sozo again for resurrection. He's alive. She's made alive. Do not be afraid. Only believe, and she will be made well. So, the number one, restoration of a relationship. We who are lost and alienated, he saves us into, into relationship. And by the way, he also can save us into consistent fellowship. You can have a the saving power of God maintain amazing fellowship on you. And I love church tonight because it stirred up and kindled afresh aspects of my fellowship with the Lord and with each other. I love church because we're the body. It is not an isolationist prospect. God has called us and insisted that we work together. And during this pandemic, by the way, it's fascinating that everybody's supposed to stay away from each other when Jesus has said, come to me, and he's insisted upon us that not to, we're not to forsake the assembling together, which is the habit of some. So, you know, for the sake of not spreading a contagion, it's important that we uh, flow with that. But at some point, uh, we'll resume, and hopefully people will not get in the habit of alienation and isolation, because it is habit-forming, and not to forsake the assembling together, which is a habit of some. I'm intrigued by people who rarely attend church. I don't get it. Because I practically live here. Well, you live here because you're the pastor. I would, I would live, I, you know, I need it. I need fellowship. I need, to, I need the reinforcement. I need to be under the anointing and, and the worship and the teaching. You know, I want to say this too. Church is good because for a lot of reasons. I love personal study, and I love to spend hours and hours in the Bible. I read the Bible, and I love the Bible. But my personal study, it... it and being under the anointing and a teacher, a pastor, they're not uh, interchangeable. And in fact, I think I heard somebody say, church attendance will help us to get our minds renewed uh, on a different level because we're hearing the message preached under the anointing. 
I mean, tonight we just read all of Romans chapter 12. We sang for about 20 minutes. You just memorized all of Bob Dylan's saved uh, uh, song, which was like he's basically singing the whole message of salvation in one song, which is he's a great songwriter because he had experienced it. And um, now we're, you know, we've just spent a lot of time in Luke chapter 8 seeing these four facets of this beautiful diamond of, of Sozo saved into right relationship with God, saved in order to have a right mind. Who in here would like to have your mind renewed? That's Casey Treat, Pastor Casey Treat from uh, Seattle, Washington. He's, he, he's preached here. He's a great man. And one of his great life's messages is on the mind renewal. He became a heroin addict, and uh, he, he, when he became a Christian, he had to work through that instant gratification. He talked to me personally about how it just flooded him with this feel-good sensory thing, and it was like there was nothing that could compare to it, but yet he knew he had to lay that aside, and that wasn't pleasing to the Lord, and he had to get, quit using that as a crutch and self-medicating, and he had to get on track with God. He had good teaching. It took time, but he is clothed, seated, and in his right mind. And uh, he's very happy, and I'd love to have him back, actually. We should get him back. Such a great brother. And uh, I love the idea of being free from oppression. Those of us who dealt with oppression know what it's like and love it when it, we're free from it. He that the sun sets free is free indeed. Isn't it good to know that that's a biblical, biblically accurate thing to be, believe that you can actually be free from oppression? And not only that, but in our responsibility uh, to carry the message of Jesus, this is part and parcel of our message, that we come in on the scene. And, you know, one time the sons of Sceva were trying to cast demons out because they watched the disciples do it. The seven sons of Sceva was, a, I guess, a leader. And uh, the demon-possessed guy put a whooping on these guys, and they ran away naked. Is that naked again? And, uh, and what they said was amazing. The demons said, Paul we know and Jesus we know, but who are you? Yeah. Amazing, isn't it? We know Paul, we know Jesus, but who are you? They were trying to do it in a pretentious way. But yet, this is our responsibility, to leave a wake of breakthrough and of joy and of help and healing and hope. Our righteousness goes before us, and the glory of the Lord is our rear guard. And goodness and mercy, surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. Everybody say sozo. What a word. You ought to do a word study on it. Do some cross-references. It's all over in the Bible. It's fascinating. When you just hunker down on it and see that it involves physical healing, when he told the lady, he said, your faith has made you sozo. It's made you whole. Uh, she reached out. She, she was apologetic. She thought she was in trouble because people, you know, who touched me? And she finally said, ah, I, I have to tell you, I've been sick for 12 years and I just heard about you and I just knew that if I just touched the hem of your garment, I'd be healed. And Jesus didn't, didn't rebuke her. Like, you shouldn't have done that. It was like, man, you t daughter, go in peace. Your faith has made you whole. Yeah. And, um, but there's a lot of commendation on your faith has made you whole. Be it unto you according to your faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So as we listen and we meditate, in fact, that word is rhema, which is the spoken word. So again, um, I, I've noticed observant Jewish people that love God's word. 
I've noticed in their meditation, they read out loud to themselves. And that's what Psalm 1 is all about. So I want to encourage you guys, if you're speed readers, go ahead and read fast, that's good. But also hunker down and just spend some time meditating. Go a little slower and read it out loud. Read it to yourself. Now, I'm gonna, on Sunday mornings, I'm going to start a series on the foundational elements of, of the doctrine of Christ. And I'm, I'm going to start out with the integrity of God's word. I'm gonna, and I'm going to probably be with that for a few Sundays. But then I'm going to go with the nature of God, the nature of man, redemption, and so forth the baptism of the Holy Spirit, healing, and um, just kind of lay that found, relay that foundation, stir you up by way of reminder. It's going to be exciting. And, um, and, I, and I hope you fall in love with your Bible and that, that it, it gets integrated into your life and that you really get a lot out of it and, 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 and really grow in it. And then uh, resurrection. You know, he, he, said, uh, he said to the people, do not be afraid, only believe and she will be made well. And then he said, rise up. And so last week we celebrated resurrection, and Jesus is the resurrection. And that's the, I mean, I can't understand a, uh, a, a, a seminary or a, a school that purports to be teaching theology and deny the resurrection. It just doesn't, it doesn't correlate to me. I just don't get it. Why would you bother to study uh, uh, and commit to uh, a clergy calling and deny the power thereof. What is the point, man? What is the point? But I'll tell you what the point is. Jesus came to blast people out of oppression, and he that the sun sets free is free indeed. Who in here has experienced this? And life is tough. R.W. Schambach wrote a book, and he said, man, we all are going through it. And I really appreciated his candor about it. He said, but Jesus said, uh, in the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And we are overcomers. And so we have the Savior who saves us to the uttermost. Amen? Amen? What what does it mean to be saved to the uttermost? Uh, It means because Jesus conquered death and his resurrection furnishes a full-on priesthood forever. It's never-ending, it's entire, it's complete. It's good, isn't it? Let's all stand up on our feet and say, I thank God for my sozo. If you're not saved, today is your day of salvation. Today, if you need Jesus to come into your life, just lift up your hand and say, count me in, pray for me, I want to get saved. Anybody that needs to rededicate, you say, man, I need, I need that fellowship restored. I need to get out of oppression. I need, a, I need a breakthrough. Put your hands back on yourself. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I receive all your mercy, all your redemptive work in my household, with my loved ones, on my job, with the clients that come in, the people I interact with, people I engage and do business with are blessed to have me in their life because I'm the head and not the tail. I'm a carrier of the presence of God. My salvation is a gift. The blessing of the Lord flows through me. My God always supplies health for my body, rightness in my mind. Blessings come upon me and overtake me In Jesus' name, amen.